Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Uh, if you're here prepared to give with uh, paper and envelope and stuff like that, you can wrap that up. Uh, and as the service ends, drop it in this box over here. Or there's a QR code on your bulletin. You can scan that. It'll take you to our giving page. You can give uh, electronically this morning. Uh, last Saturday night, Sunday morning, so like a week and a few hours ago, uh, it is 2.51 in the morning. I am probably the same place you were last when, last Saturday night at 2.51 in the morning, completely asleep in your bed. Uh, and one thing happened that totally changed everything. We had all of our smoke alarms go off. So uh, our, my house might be the way that yours is, where if one goes off, all of them are wired together. So everything goes off. And you know that great moment where you are startled awake and you're saying things without realizing what you're saying? Uh, that happens to me. Anna said, what's happening? And my first thought went to all of the electrical work I'd been doing in the attic, which can very easily catch fire uh, in the attic with lots of insulation that also easily catches fire. So I'm thinking worst case scenario, I'm thinking I'm leading us into a really big rebuilding project. Uh, and so she asked me what's going on. And I just said, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Uh, Micah is very sensitive to loud noise, so he's freaking out because the whole house is, like, erupting in noise. Uh, we call the fire department because when you don't know what to do and there's something that tells you your house is on fire at 2.51 in the morning, you call people who know. Uh, and, and we go around, like, trying to figure out what on earth is going on in our house that's making everything go off. Uh, it turns out fire department showed up. They're walking around, they're looking at uh, buttons and stuff like that. And downstairs, there is a, a smoke alarm that used to be white that is now like a shade of yellow because you flip it over in the back and it says made in the US colonies. Like this thing looks like it's about 300 years old and this had gone crazy, which meant every other smoke alarm in the house, regardless of how new they were, but because they were connected, all of those went off at alarmingly loud noise at of course, 2.51 in the morning. So what we're talking about today is something similar to that. What we're talking about today is God's plan for how you and I are going to get from here to the point that he comes back from the moment in life where things are peaceful, going to get through the craziness onto the other side. And just like the smoke alarms, his principle is the same. It's you got to stay connected. And his plan isn't stay to, to stay connected to a how or a what or some list of rituals and stuff that we can just kind of paste onto our life and force to work because then God's going to love us. He says, I want you to stay connected to a who. It's not the what, it's the who. I want you to stay connected to a who. And anytime Jesus is talking about that, that means that it's himself. It's not just a list of rules and a list of rituals. He's saying, I want you to stay connected to something so much bigger, so much more powerful than a what? Stay connected to me. And so there's a phrase in the passage that, that Jesus continues to say over and over again. I think it comes out seven or eight times uh, in the eight verses. So it's like every verse, Jesus is bringing his people back to this. He's saying, I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay connected. So when one area of your life goes off, the rest of your life is going to be affected because you've been connected to me. So we're in John 15. Uh, we're going to read verses one to eight, and we're just going to kind of pick it apart slowly. Uh, but John 15 verse one, Jesus is talking and he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He's saying, remain in me. What that means first, remaining in me, that means that God chooses the pruning. <laughs> What's happening right now is Jesus is with 
his disciples, Jesus, God with skin on, who's showing us exactly how God would live, how God would love, how God would treat people. He's with his disciples. And for the last time of their life, everything is smooth. They've got God there. When they have a need, Jesus just supplies it. When they're fearful, Jesus answers their fears. When they've got questions, Jesus speaks truth into that and, and takes away all their doubt, all their fear, and gives them his certainty. And right after this, all of that stops. We're at a point right now in our lives and in our world where so many things that used to give us comfort, used to give us a place of belonging and a place of being have totally stopped. And what we've seen in this is for those of us who are Jesus followers, how God comes in and shows us that in all these areas, what we really need was him. And he created comfort. He knows nice things. He's not saying these things are wrong. These things are bad. But behind these things, beyond those things, there's a God that loves you and me and wants relationship with us. It's this idea of pruning. So I know very little about plants and stuff. So if you know more and what I say is 99% wrong, just hang on to the 1%. Okay, go with me here. What I think I know about pruning is you've got a big bush, a big tree that has all sorts of branches on it. And off of all of those big branches, there's other little branches. And so pruning is basically cutting off the little branches that aren't as good as a bigger branch. You take everything and you whittle it all down to a couple branches that are gonna change everything because those are the foundational branches. Those are what really matter. And so what Jesus is saying right here is there are going to be things that are going to come out of our lives. They're going to get cut off in our lives because there are other branches that matter more. And the reason behind that isn't because God loves you, just put his finger, uh, his thumb on you and hold you down and make sure that you don't have any fun. No, no, no. He created fun. But, but beyond that creation, there's God's desire for holiness that is way bigger than our happiness. He doesn't just want a bunch of people looking like you and like me running around totally happy. He wants to come in, transform our lives, give us something better than happiness, which is holiness, which is gonna change how we live and how everything is lived out around us. So remain in me, first off, means that God's after our holiness, not just our happiness. And that means that he gets to choose the pruning. If you're here today and you're on the outside of what it is to be a Jesus follower and you're kind of thinking, okay, what does this mean for me? The first thing it means is we're transforming control of our life. We're transferring it from ourselves to God, which means there are going to be things that God leads you and me in and through that we're never gonna sign up for. And some of them are gonna be really difficult. And God doesn't do it just to make us miserable. God does it as somebody who's experienced loss, who's experienced abuse, who's experienced injustice. Because on the other side of that is a holiness and an appreciation and a love for God that's bigger than we would know otherwise. He's doing it to make us holy, not just to make us happy. And part of following God is trusting him through everything. That we can engage in the difficult parts because God is the one who's there pulling us through it. So remain in me means that God chooses the pruning. Remain in me also means that the cross is enough. The cross is enough. So right after this moment, Jesus is betrayed, he's arrested, he's tortured, and he's killed a death that means something. It's not just a death that happened in history. It's a death that happens in a spiritually significant way for us because his death wasn't just his death. It was our death. It was his death in our place. Because for all of us, we have lived in a way that makes us enemies of God. Not because God doesn't like us, but because you and me, because we have a pulse, sin. That means anything that we do that pushes God away from being control of our life and how we treat ourselves, how we treat other people, how we treat God. And because of that, we are separated from God. Not because God doesn't like us 
but because God is holy and can't be in the presence of sin. And so what God did that can never be undone, redone, or, or done again, is that God took on skin in the person of Jesus and came into the world to lay down his life, his perfect, perfectly lived life for us. So when God looks at you and me, God doesn't see a list of would have, could have, should have, didn't, flat out forgot. God sees Jesus's perfection. And to become a Jesus follower means that we accept Jesus's sacrifice for our behalf, on our behalf, to cover our sins. He said that that death was something that meant something because it meant something for me. So remain in me means the cross is enough. And remain in me means there's always going to be sin to be dealt with. For us, there's always going to be sin to be dealt with. We look at the news and with riots and looting and civil unrest and all that stuff, all that thing, all of that happens because there was some injustice, there was some sin that happened somewhere and it's reacted through looting, through vandalism, through all these things. And for us as Jesus followers, we are constantly doing that, but we're not doing it with binoculars to look at other people and say, you have done everything everything wrong. We start with ourselves. Instead of binoculars, we have a mirror that we hold up and we say, okay, God, just as everybody else out there has sinned and for the rest of our life, we can walk around picking apart other people's lives or we can look at ourselves and say, okay, I mistreat people. I mistreat God. I use my money in ways that hurt people. I perpetuate bad things by the way I talk to people, by the way I run my life, by the way that I I talk to my kids and my family. Just as everybody out there does that, man, I'm going to start with myself. And instead of using binoculars to broadcast everybody else's sin, I'm going to do what nobody else is doing. And I'm going to trade my binoculars in for a mirror. Because remaining in me means the cross is enough. And just as Jesus's cross was enough to save us from our sins on the day that we decided, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, that continues to get rolled out in our lives. And it continues to be enough for us to constantly open our hearts every day and say, okay, God, you're in charge. Where do you want to grow me today? Where are the pain points that I need to press into and press through to see revolution happen in my own life first? That before I go out and with the rest of society, tell everybody else what they're doing that's wrong. God, I trust your cross. I trust the power in the cross to give me a new life in you. So how do we want to turn that and broadcast that over my own heart first? That's what we do as Jesus followers. Is that we're only alive through Jesus' sacrifice for our sins on our behalf. And because of that life, we can constantly spin spin our binoculars around to a mirror and say, okay, God, I know you love me. I know you came to die for me because I have sin in my life. And I know that when I accept you as my savior, that means you get in to change everything. So I can look at every area in my life and see, okay, God loves me enough that he wants to change this. God loves me enough that he's going to walk me through this battle. That's way bigger than I think it is. God loves me enough for that. The cross remain in me means the cross is enough. Remain in me also means that our lives produce a crop. Remain in me means our lives produce a crop. Verse four, 
Jesus says, remain in me. Again, he's saying it. And I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me and is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So the, the truth about this is where you fall on the Jesus following Jesus spectrum has no, uh, has no bearing on how this is lived out because all of us through our lives are going to produce a crop. The question is, is, is it gonna be good or is it gonna be bad? Uh, this is one of the frightening parts about being a leader or being anything where people look at you and do the things that you do. Right? You know that if you're a parent, you know this is real because the first time you heard your kid say a bad word, it's probably a word that you said first. All right? Can I get an amen on that? All right? You hear that, it's like, man, they, they're even hitting things the way that I do. Like, this is bad. Everything's bad. For me, uh, I lose stuff all the time. All right? My wallet, my phone, my water bottles, all that stuff all goes in the same place all the time because if it's not there, it's gone, all right? Might as well order a new one, might as well call the company, like call the cards and get new credit cards and all that stuff. It's just gone. That's just how my brain works. So what that means is when I see my stuff scattered around the office, I'm never in question about how did it get there. I know exactly how it got there. Me, I put it down, I did something else, and then I walked away to never ever see it again. Like that's just part of me. I get texts often about like pictures of my coffee mug in other places. I mean, how did it get there? How long has it been there? Oh yeah, that's right. Three days ago when I had a meeting in your office, that's how my coffee mug ended up there. That's a crop in my life. And I know that's been passed on because I walked into the office on Thursday morning uh, and on top of the front desk, I saw my daughter's water bottle. So I thought, oh, maybe she left it there because she was helping in the main office, which she did a while ago. Uh, only it wasn't that daughter, it was the other daughter. Uh, and the daughter who left the water bottle at the main campus, she left it the night before when she was there for youth group. She didn't leave it in the office, she left it on the front steps. And I see it and I don't even like, I question nothing. I know exactly how that bottle got there because she's my kid and I'm passing off the crop of leaving everything everywhere. And the reason that it's really good for kids to decorate their water bottles with all sorts of stickers is so mom and dad know exactly whose bottle it is, right? Never mind that it says Eden down the side, like 15 stickers, very brightly colored on a beautiful pink water bottle. That's my kid. Why is it left outside after church? Because that's my kid and that's how we do it. And that's the crop that's passed out of our lives but that's not a good crop. That's not the type of stuff that we want to pass off. For all of us, we have things that we are passing off that are good and that are bad. What Jesus is saying is you remain in me and what's gonna come through you is gonna be gifts from the Holy Spirit. All of us have a conscience, all right? This is something called common grace, which is a theological term that says that regardless of whether you love God or don't know anything about God, we have a conscience inside of us because God who created us put us there. And if you look at your life and hey, before I knew God, I knew it was wrong to do X, Y, Z. That's your conscience. That's a common grace gift by God. Did you know about God then? No. Did you still have one of his blessings? Yes, because you have a conscience. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit moves in to take over our conscience. It's not just us wanting to do the right thing. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This is God inside of us 
who loves us enough to move into whatever disgustingness we think exists there that's way too bad that God who created us would never want to go. He says, no way, I'm moving in there because I love these people that much. And from the inside, he begins to lead us into good things. And as we look at our lives and say, okay, God, I no longer want to produce a bad crop. I want to produce a good crop. That happens as we listen and yield to the Holy Spirit. That happens as we practice instant obedience, which means that when the Holy Spirit says to us something, hey, you should stop talking that way. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to engage in this area. I want you to go talk to that person over there. When the Holy Spirit tells us something and we obey instantly, our lives begin to transform. We begin to produce the crop that we didn't use to produce when we were running our lives ourselves. We begin to yield to God's uh, desire to work in our hearts and work in our lives and produce a good crop that happens through instant obedience. I mean, all of us, we've been alive long enough to graduate sixth grade and not be over there anymore, but to be here. We know the decisions that instant disobedience have reaped in all of our lives. And so this is an opportunity for us to say, okay, God, where do you want to lead me in? And as we respond to that, that's how the crop in our lives changes from stuff we don't want to pass on to stuff that we do because God gets a pattern and develops a foothold in our lives to change how we do everything. So remain in me means our lives produce a crop. And lastly, remain in me means God's words shape us into Jesus followers. This is exciting, man. Because God takes you and me and changes us into people who look, act, love, talk, serve, give, have compassion for people in the way that Jesus does. That's exciting because we also know ourselves. Like we know that all the stuff that we've passed on to people that we never want anyone to know about yet. They know about it because it got passed on through us. What also gets passed on is the things that are from Jesus. And so Jesus says in verse seven, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my father. Okay, I read that and I had one of those like dog hears a whistle moments and you just pop up because there's, there's language in there that seems totally foreign for us. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted anything. That's pretty crazy. Like God's got a great imagination. So he said anything. Like where does this come from? There's three parts in this sentence. And I think we jump to the last one and ignore the first two where it says we can ask for anything and it'll be granted. So I want Tom Brady's legs to fall off and I want the Raiders to win the Super Bowl. Like you could think that's my thing. And you know, if you ask for Dak Prescott's legs to fall off this week, you got it. Okay. Hey, first service didn't get there. Like they're still asleep. We forget the first two where it says, if you remain in me and I remain in you. What that means is that God moves in and God changes the things that we want. He changes our prayers. He changes the things that drive us. Now, it's not like God's gonna move in and all of your hobbies that bring you joy are gonna be gone because for the rest of the day, your favorite hobby is gonna be reading the Bible. Like that, that's not how it works. But God continues to transform the foundational things in our lives that beyond anything else, beneath anything else, stronger than anything else is a love for God. And so he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that means that God is at the foundation of our lives. We can ask for anything because the things we're gonna ask for change. Because the things that are important for us change. And the way that God does this that's most foundational for us uh, is by reading the book that God wrote. 
So the wording in that last point is on purpose. Remain in me means God's words shape us into Jesus followers. So shape is the thing that we have here uh, at Mountain View Sunnyside and across all of our campuses. And as you head out today, there's a bunch of these booklets over on the giving box that say Shape Journal uh, 1.0. And this is our Shape Journal starter kit. And if you look at it, it's really, really thin. In fact, it's thinner uh, than my hair, which I cut up top uh, this morning. And the reason that it's thin is on purpose, so that you can finish it. So it's not one more thing in your life that you pick up this thing, you're going to start it. And after six days, you're like, never again. You know, it's five days. So after six days, you're done and you're on to your next book. We did that one on purpose. Uh, But what this is, you open it up and there's five days of Bible reading. And these are short chunks, uh, about 15 verses or less in all of them. And the reason that they're short is because they're jam-packed with how much God loves you. And it's important for us to read this because God has things that are so important for you and for me that he wrote them down so that we can live by them and follow them. He doesn't just want us to hear them on Sundays and then, you know, like hopefully apply it, but to every day be reminded of the fact that God loves you and he has uh, things he wants to do in your life. So what is shape? Awesome. That's on page three, right up at the top. It says, how to do shape. And it's an acronym. So S stands for scripture. You read the thing uh, that's on the first page uh, and then you underline or mark or highlight or double tap uh, the things that you like. Double tap. What's that? Uh, if you, if reading is not your thing, whether you just don't like it and you always fall asleep like me, uh, or reading is actually difficult for you, there's an app that the media team is going to put on the screen. Uh, it's called Version. You can download that. It's the Bible that lives on your phone. And if you have trouble reading, it reads to you. So I was talking to one lady as they were leaving today and she said, I drive all the time. This is great for me because I can just put on the shape and it'll read to me as I drive. If you're like me and you love talking fast, you can speed the guy's voice up. It's the funnest thing in the world. You put double time, boom, you're done. It's awesome. So scripture, S, scripture. You write down, underline, highlight, however you want to mark, this verse jumped out to me. And then H stands for here. This is where we ask the God who wrote it to speak to us. God, how do you want this verse? What are you saying? How do you want this to speak to me? What are you saying to me in this? And so we write this out second person, my son, who am I love? Today, I want to tell you, and God is speaking to us because he loves us and we're his children that he loves. So scripture here, we write down, we feel like God is telling us, A, that's apply. That's where this thing that was written thousands of years ago, thousands of miles away, makes a difference in our lives in 2020, where you live, where you work, where you do life today. That God actually has things so important to you that he wants to tell you, to tell you them, write them down, and then give you opportunities to live them out. P, that stands for pray. That's where you give it back to God and say, okay, God, you started this, you led me in this, and I need your power if I'm going to accomplish this. The E stands for exalt. That's a fancy way of saying thanks where we can wrap this all up in thanksgiving to God, reminding us of all the ways that he's blessed us and all the ways that he's given us more than we need and everything that that we need each day. That's the how-to. Below that, it's an example. And then the pages following that are just blank pages for you to actually do this, for you to write it out. After first service, another person asked me, hey, I got the wrong one. It's blank. What do I do? Like, you fill it out. You fill it. I'm not going to write this for you. This is what you do. This is our way of engaging with the God who loves us. And so if you've already got a Bible reading plan that you stick to and you love, and it's more than once a year on Christmas, stick with that. If you have nothing, pick up one of these. And my bet is, is you have nothing because, not because it's not something you want, 
but it's something that's always seemed way too up here for you. And this is where this gets exciting. This is where this takes root. This is where this creates joy in us is Jesus closes by saying, when you produce much fruit, when we apply the things that God tells us, when we read the book that he wrote, when you let it move into our hearts and make a difference, you're my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. Think about that. Your life today, no one here is perfect. Everyone here has issues. Everyone here has sin in our lives that make God look bad. But because of his love for us, because of his desire to speak to us, to work in us, he wants to take people like you and me, work in our hearts and say, these people actually bring me glory. Glory. Because God loves you. Because God wants to work in your life. Because as we remain in him, as we, not as perfect people, as we remain in him, we will produce much fruit. And that brings glory to God. That's amazing. That's God's love poured out for us to take us from where we were and bring us to him. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us and wants to work in us. Let's stand and pray.